And it all comes down to this. Two on, two out. Bottom of the ninth, the Farmers lead by one. Full count. Here comes the play at the plate. And it's the Agview pitch. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Agview Pitch, and we are entering kind of the second week of April here, um, and uh, we're kind of in quarantine here still for a while, and you've got Chris Barron and Dwayne Lowry. How's it going, Dwayne? Good, Chris. Um, everything's going fine. Good, good. Uh, so we talked offline a little bit about what we're going to see in this next week as we head into it. And there, you, know, you made the comment, we've got a supply and demand report coming up. What are you seeing there in that regard? The supply and demand report, the uh, trade is going to be concerned that uh, corn carryout will go up uh, due to uh, reduced uh, ethanol numbers. Uh, the trade will also be concerned about uh, soybean carryout going up uh, due to um, lack of activity um, on the Chinese demand side. Uh, that's a possibility, but I also wouldn't be surprised if USDA left their projections unchanged, still maintaining some, maintaining some optimism that uh, we will achieve the bean export projections. There's also a ch uh, probable that uh, the crush rate for soybeans will go up, and so uh, I'm not sure that we'll get uh, that much negativity out of the supply and demand report in beans might actually be a little supportive. But in the case of the corn, the trade will expect um, some uh, higher carryout projections. Um, probably should also mention that we've had some corn sales to China recently, and my guess is that will continue, and I uh, expect it might get larger. I just still think there's... Uh, some awful solid uh, rumors that uh, DDG exports are on the horizon as well as possibly ethanol. So I'm not sure things are quite as negative from in terms of that supply and demand report as what the trade expects. I think USDA might prove to be a little slow to make some of these reductions in, in uh, corn demand. On the ethanol side of things, are you hearing anything there as far as what plants are up to, you know, with them throttling back? And, and I know the ethanol industry submitted um, some reports to Washington about finally about kind of what their struggles are, you know, keeping the doors open and keeping things running. But are you, what are you hearing on the ethanol side of things? Well, I think uh, there are some plants going to reduce their operations. So there will be some that are closing, but I would say that I would summarize the uh, atmosphere in the ethanol industry last week versus the previous week as being one that maybe the plants are less likely to close now, at least some of them were, versus what they thought maybe a week or more ago. Um, I think there is a push in the ethanol industry to try to get uh, involved in a, in a uh, stimulus package. I think it's highly likely that the, the government will play a role in providing some money to the ethanol industry. And my guess is it'll be not too different than the payroll protection plan, meaning they will, uh, in order to qualify for payments, they're going to have to be operating. And uh, it'll either be based on their number of uh, gallons of ethanol produced or the number of bushels of corn consumed. 
Uh, that would be my guess, and uh, that might temper how much the uh, closing takes place. Um, it's also going to be very influential whether or not China comes in and buys any DDGs and, mm-hmm. and uh, ethanol, too. That would be a factor. What about, you know, the correlation to the price of oil with all this on on corn specifically? And let's say that they keep these ethanol plants running. We're in quarantine here until for sure the end of the month, and no one knows for sure if that's long enough or whatever. And so if that, that continues on or doesn't, either way, what are the what's the options for storage of, of ethanol. I mean, if we, they can, if everybody continues to produce ethanol and we're only consuming so much of it, how much extra ethanol can they actually make and put it? Somewhere? I don't know what the I don't know what the quantity of that is, but it's definitely a problem where plants are reporting uh, that they're soon going to run out of places to put it, and the transportation bottlenecks have no place to go with it. So that is a potential problem. Um, I don't know how that. Uh, will all play out. As far as the uh, crude oil impact, um, I think it's important to step back and say, how long are we going to stay at $20 or low $20 crude oil? And and the historical answer in recent history with recent being defined as the last 15 or 20 years would suggest that we're going to spend minimum amount of time here. Um, A week ago, we had nobody talking uh, publicly, anyway, in terms of trying to get a deal put together with OPEC. In the last week, we went from having $20 futures on spot crude oil to trade as high as 29 on Friday, so you had a, some stabilization and recovery there. You also now have Saudi Arabia and Russia and other OPEC-plus uh, countries are going to have a virtual meeting that as of Friday, we thought that virtual meeting was going to take place on Monday. Now it's going to take place on Thursday. You had President Trump enter the arena last week, um, indicating that he was going to do what was ever, whatever was necessary to protect the national security interest of, that is represented in the U.S. energy sector. And uh, he uh, basically came out and uh, told Saudi Arabia and, and uh, Russia to uh, fix this price war situation, to cut back production, and if they don't do it, he uh, not so uh, he was fairly, fairly direct in, in his press conference briefings in the last few days to indicate that uh, he's perfectly willing to put tariffs on imported oil. He's w- willing to do whatever it takes to protect the U.S. energy sector and, and protection in this case would mean getting the price of uh, crude oil up even if he has to impose import tariffs on import crude and once he were to do something like that, that takes away all incentive for them to have any price war if, if their objective was to harm the U.S. shale industry although both of them <clears throat> want to deny that's the case and I think that goes to show you that they don't want to fight the U.S. over this particular issue. The reality is that you roll a clock calendar ahead three three or six months, uh, crude oil prices will probably be double what they are now. We're not going to stay at these depressed prices. They have no choice but to cut back. The question is going to be how fast are they going to cut back, how long does it take to get the uh, crude oil back up to where it's semi-profitable for the U.S. 
uh, energy industry and what's the government going to provide for funding in between to act as a bridge and what how is the ethanol industry going to, going to respond to that. The last part of the, the question that you're really ask, asking is how long is it going to take to get ethanol demand and gasoline back running again? I don't know, but I've watched every one of President Trump's uh, uh, coronavirus daily briefings here, and I would say that uh, over the last few days, there's been a move towards uh, talking about we got to get the country back to work, got to get it back to work. I think there's these hinting, reading between the lines that he's going to want to uh, move out of this shelter-in-place environment that was currently set to go through the end of April. I think he's going to have a drive to try to figure out some way to make that date occur quicker. Um, I actually thought the developments in the coronavirus in terms of how the press conference was handled yesterday on Saturday, the uh, comments from the, the medical part of the uh, update seemed to be uh, less concerning than it was earlier in the week. So I actually think that looks a little bit better. Um, the uh, marketplace is uh, infatuated with being fearful of everything right now, but I actually thought the the landscape for that was a little bit better, a little bit further down the line. And I thought the fact that President Trump was uh, given the OPEC basically an ultimatum, and uh, OPEC responded to, uh, according to President Trump, Saudi Arabia said they would cut production 10 billion, maybe more. To me, that's a step in the right direction. It seems like a pretty significant direction. And uh, so we, we have some bottlenecks that's going to be a problem for the ethanol industry, both in just them getting rid of ethanol and gasoline and ethanol consumption returning to normal. That's going to take a little bit of time, but uh, hopefully uh, the marketplace is, is at a point or near, near a point where it's got a lot of this stuff factored in. That's that's the, that's the hope. Markets don't go down forever, and they don't uh, continue to go down just because the market is filled with fear. At some point in time, the mark that fear point becomes saturated, and um, it seems to me like we could already be at that point. Could it could it happen though that let's say that you know obviously we're put, we've pushed demand for ethanol back quite a ways. The tanks are getting full. They step in, they, you know, not not to be a Debbie Downer here, but, you know, the tanks are getting full. They they give some assistance to the ethanol industry to help them. Let's say oil prices do double. They go up. The prices go up. That helps the price of corn go up. Well, then that that's probably going to be a negative on basis then, right? Because the ethanol plants, if they're funded and there's some assistance there, doesn't that make basis even go wider maybe into the summer months? If the price rebounds, but the demand has been sluggish and they're able to continue to run, is there anything that farmers should be doing with regard to guarding the basis? The only thing they can do to guard the basis is to sell the cash. There is nothing else they can do. If they're that fearful that 40 under or 50 under basis or whatever they're looking at for a bid that it's going to get even worse. They only have one choice. That's to liquidate the physical bushels. There is no other thing they can do. Is that a, is that not something? Is that something that you don't think is an issue, or, or potentially could be? I an think issue? it would. Especially I think I, per, I personally believe it would be a huge mistake. I think making a decision like that in this environment of, of uh, fear, um, 
I don't think anything, uh, action taken out of fear usually turns out to be good. So you think the basis then is probably going to improve from where it's at right now as things I don't know if it's going to improve or, or not, but I'm not sure it can get a lot worse. I think it is possible that it could improve, and one of the reasons that it could improve is you know, we could end up getting uh, more and more exports out of this situation. Um, we're exporting corn to China now. It wasn't too long ago we weren't doing that. The, the potential for that to get larger is very real. So uh, in, at any moment now, we're going to be returning to the fields, and the last thing on farmers' mind is to uh, be moving grain during uh, planting time. So basis could improve off of that. You know, mm -hmm. there are a lot of other factors. The crude oil price uh, could resolve itself rather quickly, and suddenly that makes a difference. There's, there's a lot of things that can happen, but, um, you know, nobody is thinking along those lines. Everybody is just scared to death that it's going to get cheaper, and that's where everybody's at. People are very much dominated by the fear that it's going to get worse. So we've spent a fair amount of time on corn. How about soybeans? What are you hearing there? What do you think in this uh, new week as we head into it? I don't think the uh, uh, we're going to get anything all that negative from the S&D report uh, from USDA on Thursday, so I, I don't really see that as a threat. Um, I think that uh, the bean market in the last uh, 30 days has performed you know, relatively well. It had the initial sell-off when the crude oil declined, and then we just got done having a 75, 80 cent rally that took us back above the levels it was when the crude oil uh, price war started. Um, now we've had a correction. Um, I don't think the weakness we've had is anything more than a correction of the the 70 cent rally. We had USDA come out with a uh, relatively low carryout number, or not carryout, the acreage number um, last Tuesday, you start extrapolating demand projections and USDA acreage numbers, You're, it's not difficult to get a 200 to 250 million carryout in beans for next year. I don't see anything bearish about that. I think there's a lot of number crunchers that have been uh, ramping up global demand for soy and protein. And uh, I would say the outlook for soybeans is uh, quite good, and the price relationship versus corn is is historically cheap enough that I don't think that causes beans to be all that negative. I I would say the outlook for beans is extremely positive, if you want my honest truth. The, the corn is can be argued that it's different because it's got this whole ethanol thing, the gas, the the usage, and the bottleneck of supplies and those are all real things, and they may very well have an impact on price in real terms. You can talk about larger acres, even if they're shaved back. Next year's carryout uh, numbers in corn uh, mushroom get larger. You, you, those are real things that seem very real right now. So if somebody wants to be bearish on corn because of that, it's understandable. The beans are do not have any of that. Um, everything that you look at in the beans come, look, points to a declining carryout situation as you look on towards next year. It's completely different. So you know, the, the place that the fear is the least uh, warranted is probably beans. 
So I would say the outlook in beans is quite favorable. So last question for you here as it relates to corn and soybeans. Um, <clears throat> there are still a few growers out there scratching their head a little bit on, on that one farm or whatever. And I know every situation is a little different based on yield and, and, you know, the margin contribution and all that. But what I'm hearing you say is you feel like, you know, if, as price as part of the equation in that decision, you're much more friendly to soybeans than corn long term. Well, it's easier to, to uh, point to a friendly outlook on beans than it is in corn. How that ultimately plays out, who knows? Um, it's possible that uh, China takes 8 million tons of corn this year, and it's possible that they'll take another 8 million tons the next year. Such numbers like that makes up for a lot of lost uh, ethanol demand uh, if the loss in ethanol demand turns out to be just temporary. So there's a lot of things that could happen on the horizon that are different, that could, that could make the outlook different than what it feels like today. So I would say if the guy's contemplating what to do with that last field, first thing I'd do is I would wait to make that decision till the last possible moment and see if anything changes. Everything seems to be extremely fluid. We've had plenty of volatility. We've had beans decline 60 cents on a price war with crude oil. We had beans rally 75 cents. Uh, <clears throat> when the coronavirus fears and concerns were only ele elevating. We had beans rally 75 cents when crude oil was only slipping more and getting worse. Um, and now we've had a, whatever it's been, a 35, 40 cent break or whatever in, in beans. Things are volatile, things are fluid, and I wouldn't make that decision until I absolutely had to because I'm not sure that you can be certain the outlook won't look a lot different from uh, three weeks from now than it looks today. Gotcha. Is there anything uh, I haven't asked you about? I mean, with everything going on, um, obviously, with the majority of it being negative, is there anything that I haven't asked that we need to discuss? Well, I know people are talking about new crop basis, what to do with that. And, um, most of the bids for new crop basis are um, on the wider side. They may not be wide. They could end up being worse by the time harvest rolls around. But the odds are new crop basis levels won't change too much here for the next uh, several weeks. Um, I, I don't know what to tell you, people who are contemplating making uh, new crop sales at what feels like a wider basis structure, but um, it just seems like there's an awful lot of of uh, desire by the producer or a willingness by the producer or the feeling uh, that they they must go out and make a decision and make sales here at uh, at a time where um, the fear level is so heightened. It's been my experience, those tend not to be good decisions. So I, I really struggle to embrace that attitude that that takes an environment like this and responds to the fear and the panic and uh, makes decisions that only might be good is if 
things got worse and worse and worse, and that uh, is a difficult thing for me to do when prices are not at all attractive to their operation. You make sales now and something comes along and changes and things that we are scared of now turn out not to be as uh, bad as they are feared at the moment, you're going to look back at those sales and really, really regret them. And this is not typically the time of year where, where you get your best sales opportunity of the year. So I, I really struggle with that, that and uh, I resist it quite a bit. But uh, I can assure you that there are a lot of farmers that are either making sales at this time or preparing to make sales on just the, the smallest of a price recovery, and that seems very uncomfortable to me. So pay attention to what you need to do to get a crop in and, and watch this, but be real careful not to be overly uh, anxious to, to price into this market. Well, <laughs> you're really putting me on the spot here, Chris. You're making me look extremely – uh, <laughs> uh, you're, you're painting me into a corner, and uh, it's, it's very uncomfortable. I don't mind being thrown under the bus, but this is going beyond this. Yeah. You're, 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 you're trying to force me into to em, embracing a sale here or embracing this fear, and I refuse to do that. And uh, at the moment, that uh, the prevailing attitude is embrace the fear and and make the sale because it's going to get so much worse and we're going to have corn futures under $3 for the foreseeable future and basis will be awful and everything else. And uh, I uh, I don't choose to uh, live in that fear-based world. And uh, I maybe that's a, maybe that's an unwillingness to embrace reality, but I've been around this business a long time and I've seen far more droughts predicted than ever actually occurred, and I've seen far more doomsday predicted than ever actually occur. So I, I try to avoid embracing the, the greed and uh, at the top, and I try to avoid embracing fear and, and uh, at, at times like this. I just think there will be better time frames and better conditions on which to make decisions. Um, I happen to think that uh, uh, with December corn futures at 350, which, by the way, in, in, in the face of all this, it is worth noting, Dece corn actually closed a penny higher Friday. I think that fact's probably lost in the in the discussion here. But mm -hmm. uh, you know, I could be persuaded to find the value in making a sale at Dece corn at 380 if we could get a 30 cent rally here. And people say, well, that's pie in the sky. You can't get a 30 cent rally. Well. You know, lots of strange things happen around here, you know, so I wouldn't rule it out. So I would be willing to make, take a defensive approach on something like that. I'm not very willing. I'm not – actually, I'm not at all willing to make the sales now, but uh, you're, you're putting me into a very difficult corner. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think, you know, not trying to do that, but I think just saying that, you know, a little patience and watching this because we are – realistically in uncharted territory with all the things going on and, and patience and sometimes doing something is doing nothing too. Well, I mean, 350 futures, I mean, you're, you're talking about 
320, 310 corn on the farm. I mean, this is uh, uh, virtually no operations can grow corn at that value. No, and, and as we look at that, you know, right now, the cash on farm price, we're, you know, we're a solid 70, 75 cents away from from um, from margin. So you're right for 100% there. Anything else I haven't asked, and we can kind of wrap things up. I mean, it's I think we just kind of keep an eye on things as we move into this next week. Anything else? In this business, there's times to buy it, there's times to sell it, there's times to stand aside. I think uh, for the most part, um, this is the time to stand aside. You don't make decisions here. You don't force decisions into this type of environment. And um, um, that's that's my approach. I think there will be better opportunities ahead. And uh, you've got the entire growing season to see what does end up coming. And shoot, the market doesn't have to go much further. And all of a sudden, you know, crop insurance starts to kick in as, as, a, as a safety net. Uh, there's going to be more and more farm program payments, I'm sure. Than, and you mentioned on multiple podcasts over the last several months how the MFP payment uh, basically was the deciding factor about whether an operation was profitable last year. I have no reason to doubt that uh, we won't have payments coming from the government this year that will be in excess of what the MFP payments were. I think there's yeah. still a very viable, plausible, probable chance that we are going to get nothing but increasing business from China through this phase one in the months ahead, and I don't think anybody cares about that anymore either. There are a lot of things that can come along here and change. You know, we, We're going to get through this coronavirus. We're going to get the country back to work. Uh, the OPEC is going to be forced to cut back production. Because if they don't, Trump's going to come in and impose import tariffs and basically create a $50 or $45 or whatever price he wants to create for a domestic crude oil price. At that point in time, the rest of the world has got no choice. They're going to have to cut back. They're going to run into the same problems that the uh, ethanol industry has. They're going to run out of tankers and, and floating vessels to put this crude oil supply on. Um, they, so things happen. Things change. And... Uh, I think we have to try to uh, look at the this conditions we're dealing with right now and, and feel the, the best course of action is not make a commitment and, and wait for something uh, different and see how we come out of this coronavirus, see how the crude oil price t- turns out, see what happens with China, China's demand. And we can't, should not forget all the trillions of dollars that are being pumped into the economy whether it's in the U.S. or other central banks or China stimulus, stimulus programs or whatever, if uh, unless you think you're going to come out of this coronavirus in a manner where we never get out of it and we're going into a depression, and if you want to live your life based on that expectation, well, uh, knock yourself out. I'm not going to do that. I think we'll come out of this with a, uh, a much better condition than that, and I think that we'll get – better opportunities and uh, the landscape can look a lot different and I don't want to make a decision in what I think is a temporary landscape. Sounds good to me. I think uh, that should wrap things up and 
appreciate your comments, and we'll kind of keep on this in the next couple of weeks. Like you said, we'll kind of see how things are developing, and we'll um, deal with these things as they come at us. All right. Yeah, thanks, Dwayne. Appreciate your time. And thanks, everybody, for listening this time on the Agony Pitch, and we will catch you next week. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the AgView Pitch. As always, you can reach out to us at cbaron at agviewsolutions.com or dwayne l at netends.net. We'll catch you next time on the AgView Pitch. <laughs>